It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This Locked On Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals plus free shipping on your first box, and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hey, how's it going? Welcome to episode number 253 of Locked On Raptors for Wednesday, January 3rd. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of LockedOnRaptors.com and RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter at WoodleySean. Find the show at Locked On Raptors. We can find links to every single episode. Of course, make sure you're checking out the Locked On NBA and NFL networks as well uh, with great uh, local insight on all the teams that are alive in the NFL playoffs or you know doing stuff in the middle of the NBA season. I don't know. No one's all that interesting right now. But if you want to hear about James Harden's injury, for example, go listen to Locked On Rockets uh, and on down the list. There's tons of great shows. If you find one you like, subscribe to it separately. Leave a rating and a review. You can do that with us. Go to Locked On Raptors on the iTunes page and please leave a rating or review. It's the easiest way to help out the show, show that you care, show your support, and uh, would very much appreciate anyone who takes the time and i am forever indebted to the people who have already done it um and that's it for that spiel for another day all right on today's show i'm joined for a belated year interview show by our pal vivek jacob um we're gonna go back over the year 2017 we're gonna you know pick our favorite moments favorite games favorite uh performances things like that from the last year for the raptors and uh it's gonna be fun so vivek how are you sir i'm doing great 2018 is off to an amazing start. Um, tomorrow, obviously, having the 52-point game. Uh, Raptors win a big game. And then today, I actually get to drive home from downtown. It only took me 45 minutes, which is a miracle at 4 p.m. <laughs> so this is this is a bit of a heady start. So this is uh, a, try not to get carried away. This is a tremendous traffic week. It's, uh, it's really the best. I drove from Hamilton to the ACC yesterday in like 35 minutes. It was outstanding. Um, <laughs> may have been going a little too fast, but whatever. Who cares? It was New Year's Day. The, the, you can speed on holidays, right? It's a thing. Like, I don't think yes, that's, yeah, I think that's totally Maybe. legal. Huh? Um, <laughs> anyway, if mom, if you're listening, I actually drive 100 uh, in the slow lane, so uh, don't, don't worry too much. All right. Um, before we get to going back over the year, Vivek, I got to read an ad. Uh, and today's sponsor is uh, is Draft. And Draft, we love Draft on this podcast. Fantasy basketball fans, listen up. If you love fantasy basketball, then you need to try my new favorite app, and that is Draft. It's daily fantasy basketball, but not like the other guys on Draft. You play real live snake drafts with other people, just like in your season-long league. Uh, and here's how it works. It's a draft that lasts for just one night, and there's no management. You just set it and forget it. Once you're done drafting, that's it. There's no trades. There's no waiver wire. Draft even takes care of last-minute injuries for you. They send you a little push notification uh, if someone's scratched last minute with the flu or something like that or, you know, whatever, rest on the, on the last minute. Uh, you, you'll get a no- notification to fill in the guy, and, and it's great because you're playing in small leagues, so there's still always good guys available to replace your injured dudes, so you're not getting hurt too badly. 
Drafts start every couple minutes, and you can join one right now. And the best part is you play for cold, hard cash. Drafts start from just $1, and there's a draft for everybody. There's no salary caps. You play in a real live snake draft, just like you play with your friends in a season-long league, except there's no commitments. If someone gets hurt, you're not screwed for the rest of the year, uh, and you can go right back at it tomorrow night with a different team. Come and join me on Draft today. Download the app anytime. Just search Draft in your app store and join a game in minutes or play right from your computer on Draft.com, whatever you want to do. In Canada, there is not yet an app for Android, so make sure you're using Draft.com if you're an Android user. It's a great interface for you to check out on your computer. Uh, and for a limited time, all new players get a free entry into a draft when you make your first deposit, but you have to use my promo code to do it, and the promo code is LO Raptors. That's LO Raptors as in Lockdown Raptors, all one word. That's right, play a real money game for free just for using my promo code LO Raptors on your first deposit on draft. And on Wednesday, it is draft day on the Lockdown Podcast Network. All the different hosts will have have leagues going on. I'll have a league going on. Follow me on there, Locked on Sean, once you sign up and make a deposit and you can join my league and you can play for free and take my money for free. Uh, it's very easy. I'm bad at this. I suck. I won last week for the first time in like months. So uh, sign up for draft. It's a really great time and we're very glad to have them sponsoring the podcast. All right, Vivek, I'm out of breath, uh, so let's get to this <laughs> stuff here. Um, so I'm always impressed when you do that. Would, but do what? Talk a lot in, in a row without like, throwing up? Yes, oh, without worry. breathing pretty much. Oh, yeah, no, I'm, uh, I'm totally out of breath at this point. That's why I have guests on, so I can limit my uh, whatever, the, the suffocation, <laughs> I guess, from not having air in my lungs. Sure, that, that makes sense. Um, Anyway, <laughs> let's uh, let's, uh, let's get to this. Uh, we've got a few categories here. We're going to go back over the course of the year. Uh, let's start with Game of the Year. Uh, and this, of course, encompasses everything from uh, January 1st, 2017, all the way to uh, whatever the hell it is, uh, I guess, December 31st, 2017. That's a year, right? Oh, man, I am out of it already. I have no air in my brain right now after doing that. Ad, so uh, it's, it's failing. Uh, so what's your favorite game from the last uh, calendar year for the Raptors? I think my favorite game of the year has to be the Raptors Celtics game. Mm. Uh, right after the trade, getting PJ Tucker, getting Serge Ibaka, um, Tucker literally just not sleeping, just wanting to get out there, uh, represent the Raptors, and it was an incredible game. Demar Rosen took over down the stretch, and then Tucker just shutting down Isaiah Thomas, and then just that moment where he's with the ball and. You can see he's just so happy to be on a winning team again, <laughs> playing games that matter. And yeah, for me, that game was just amazing. It sort of set up uh, that whole stretch that the Raptors had, uh, you know, without Kyle Lowry to, to sort of lock up that three seed, which no one really saw once Lowry got hurt. So yeah, I, that game for me was the best of 2017. That game kicked a lot of ass. Um, the the underrated thing about that game, too, is that was before we knew Lowry was going to be out for a long time. We kind of just thought it was like a short yeah. thing with him, right? And then yeah. uh, the news came out, I think, the following Monday that he was going to be out for however, like, six weeks or whatever it ended up being. Um, but, like, to have that game where everything seemed like it was clicking, you had that closing line of a PJ and Serge. They were so good. You had PJ ripping the ball out of Isaiah Thomas's hands like a baby. Um, it was just so beautiful after just a season of just obnoxious Celtics fans and Isaiah Thomas hype and all that stuff. Um, and then, you know, to have the sort of thinking in the back of your mind, like, oh, man, Lowry's not even playing it for this team. He's going to be back next week, and it's going to be awesome. Uh, for the brief moment that that was, that was really exciting and fun. Um, so, yeah, that, that's, that's right up there. I, I, that's probably top three or four for me, I think, probably. Um, that was a really fun game to cover, too. I think the P.J. Tucker postgame was, like, the best postgame I've, uh, like, best scrum I've been in, I think. Um, <laughs> like, just, he literally called out DeMar's defense in his first game with the team. Like, he's like, yeah. we'll coach him up. It's no big deal. We'll get him better. He was talking about the switching with Serge Ibaka and Damari Carroll. Uh, people forget Damari Carroll had a nice little run defensively late last season as well. Um, he kind of fit with that unit really nicely. So, yeah, that's right up there for me. Uh, I think my number one is that Bulls game, though, where they broke the curse. It was like a week after that Celtics game. I think it might have been like two or three games after. And yeah. that just such a ridiculously bonkers game. Uh, DeMar had another one of his games where he just went off, and he kind of did that the entire time Lowry was out. Um, but just the, the Serge Ibaka-Robin Lopez fight, the, the, the fact that it went to overtime after the Raptors came back from, I think, down 13 after three quarters. 
Uh, it was just... It was really damn fun. That's all I really... Like, a lot of it kind of bl blurs together. I know I wrote a thing for Raptors HQ that was, like, the 10 craziest things DeMar DeRozan did in that game. Um, and <laughs> he had, like, a couple crazy defensive possessions. He had, like, an enormous rebound. Um, I know he hit, like, a 30-foot three as well at the buzzer uh, of the shot clock. Like, everything happened in that game. It was, like, the craziest non-playoff game I've covered, I think. And yeah. I just, like, as great as that Celtics game was, I think the sort of... The win probability chart for the, the the Bulls game, I think, was a lot more uh, sort of out of whack. And for me, that's a lot of fun to cover. Um, it's kind of in line with another one of the games that's probably in the top five for me is the game against the Hornets last year, where they oh, were yeah. uh, like they were down thirteen or eleven or something after three quarters. It was the last game before the All Star break. They had just traded for Surge, and that was exciting. Um, but the game was just kind of flat. It was at the end of that really long stretch of the Raptors just being so lifeless in, in January, in the start of February. And then they come up with this lineup in the fourth quarter of Lowry, DeLon Wright, Corey Joseph, Damari Carroll, and Jakob Pertl. They played 12 minutes together and lead the comeback, and it was bonkers, man. Like, I, I, like it was... Like, when do you ever see one unit play 12 consecutive minutes? Like, that doesn't happen very often, right? Yeah, and DeLon Wright was just incredible in that game. I think it was twice that he picked the ball and went down the floor for dunks. Mm -hmm. um, and, yeah, the defense was insane. Which it, it, And you don't expect to see Kemba Walker sort of get shut down. Um, and so, yeah, the, the, it, just, it was just a bonkers game. Yeah. Uh, like you said, like, you don't expect a comeback like that. This was this was right before the All Star break, mm. right? Yeah. Um, so yeah, to sort of head into it the right way, um, it just changed because you, you, the Hornets have been one of those teams that sort of been at the Raptors and always come away with these big wins at the ACC. You can think of those Kemba Walker crazy shots, um, and so to get this one was particularly sweet. This Lockdown Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less takeout, cook more at home, but I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals, plus free shipping on your first box and Free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I guess you could kind of throw it to, I think, game four, uh, if we're going playoff games. And, like, the playoffs weren't exactly the most enjoyable time for Raptors fans this year. Like, even the Bucks series, it felt like more like a relief than anything when they won it. There was not really any celebration. It was like breathe a sigh of relief like maybe they won't just rip apart the team at this point and it was still a possibility after that series anyway um but i think game four of that series i think abaka really went off i think powell had a really great great game too um and i think demar might have had a really nice game too i'm trying to pull it up here uh but that was a like i remember that's the ner most nervous I've ever been for a playoff game like even more like more than like game sevens i'm pretty sure uh going to that game against the bucks because of how much it felt like that game was going to determine the future of the Raptors. And, like, you could have said right. that for Game 7 against the Pacers or Game 5 against the Pacers or whatever. Um, but I just kind of feel like that game in particular, it really sort of set the trajectory for the offseason. Like, had the Raptors lost that game, they probably lose that series. They're down 3-1. Um, it's not looking good. And, you know, Kyle probably leaves. Like, if the Raptors lose in the first round, Kyle's probably gone. Dwayne Casey's probably gone. Um, who knows if they bring back Surge? I doubt they, they would, actually. Um, and it was just, it was a really uh, sort of tense situation going into that game. And then when they won, it kind of felt like they had solved something there. They started Norm Powell. They seemed to figure out the Bucks' defense a little bit. 
And from there, like the Raptors kind of checkmated them, I think, because Jason Kidd's a stunted idiot and doesn't know how to change his strategy at all. Um, so, uh, and we saw that again last night with the Raptors and Bucks as well. But uh, so yeah, after Game Four, I kind of felt a little easier about that series. But going into that game, I was really stressed out. And the fact that they ended up pulling out, I think a Bach had like 18 points. I'm still trying to pull the box score here, but uh, would would you agree that's probably the most memorable or like happy playoff game for the Raptors? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I mean, I, I would put Game Six up there as well. That um, was miserable, though, with that comeback. Yeah, but you, you know what? Uh, the reason I guess it, that's more positive for me was because I was at the nine oh five game, <laughs> and so it was just crazy because the nine oh five had just won the G League championship, and they had their sort of. They're happy and they're celebrating, but it was so cool to see them sort of rush over to the locker room and watch the Raptors game on the TV and sort of like rooting for them to just get the job done. Right. And so I just thought that was just a really cool moment. Um, and then, but to go back to game four, to your point, I think what makes game four stand out is um, how miserable game three was. Yeah. And, you know, it just looked like the same story again with losing game one and then game three to just get completely blown out by this young, inexperienced team. And this was supposed to be the Raptors sort of coming out, being the more experienced team and showing that they've learned from their lessons. But you saw none of that. Um, I'll be quite frank. At that moment after game three, um, I saw it. I saw the series going a certain way. Um, I really, I did not expect Dwayne Casey to come back. Yeah, I think. So our... to... Sorry, go ahead. Oh, so, so just to go from that moment for Casey to then make the coaching change that you mentioned of putting Norm in the starting lineup. A lot of people were rooting for PJ Tucker, mm-hmm. um, but for Norm to come into the starting lineup and give the the ball handling that the Raptors were looking for to defend Chris Middleton the way he did. Um, and to knock down all those threes the way he did, um, that really changed uh, the face of the series. And the Raptors, fortunately, went on to win that one. Obviously, the next one didn't go so well. But, yeah, I, I definitely think game four, in terms of a turnaround, was huge. Yeah, it, I mean, it's coming back to me now. I'm looking at the box score, and it's all jigging my memory now. Um, so the the thing with that one was Ibaka came out in the fourth quarter I remember he had three blocks in this game he had a really nice first quarter I think but then in the fourth quarter he was like just bricking shots he was 4 of 16 on the night 0 of 5 from deep and then Jonas actually came in and closed that out um, as the center and he had a really nice game he was 5 of 5 from the field 12 points and then Norm uh, he was 3 of 3 from deep like they got efficiency from all of the places that you really needed it from and DeRozan was really good 33 with uh, 9 boards and 5 assists and 4 steals uh, he was ridiculous 12 of 22 from the field like it was a, a really nice game for just performances that needed to happen when you needed them and like it was it was a game that the Raptors should have won. It was a series the Raptors should have won, and it was kind of nice to like get an, a glimpse of what the Raptors could look like after they had figured out what the Bucks were doing defensively, and after they sort of managed it a little bit. Um, they had just twelve turnovers in that game, and and you know just sixteen assists. But it was a pretty slow game. There wasn't even they only made thirty three field goals in the entire game, which Jesus, <laughs> what a depressing <what> <laughs> game that was. But um, yeah, I think it was uh, just like it, it was. It wasn't the most like it wasn't the sexiest game or anything like that, but I do think for me, just considering the stakes that it felt like it had, that was probably the most memorable of the year. Um, and then like if there's one from this regular season, maybe that Rockets game, but I don't think any game until the Bucks game on New Year's Day really sort of stacked up to anything they had down the stretch last year. So uh, I'm gonna go with uh, you're gonna go with the Celtics. I'm gonna go with that Bucks playoff game four uh, with the Bulls and Hornets games as a close runner up. Let's move on to the next topic to move things on on a, on a little bit here. What's your favorite? Uh-huh. Raptors moment. It doesn't have to be a full game, just an individual Raptors moment from the last year. Um, so there, there's two that come to mind. Uh, I, I alluded to it before, just that game six win and being with the 905 as they won their championship. That, that was really cool. Mm. Um, but the other one, I think uh, DeMar's start to the season um, but I, I, I guess that kind of goes into 2016 then. So I guess that doesn't really count, does it? Um, 
you know what? I'm, I'm going to stick with uh, Tucker holding that ball at the end of the Celtics game. <laughs> all right, all right. That's fair. Um, so... I, I, he was so incredible down the stretch. What he gave the team defensively in terms of leadership, uh, like you said, getting DeMar to play defense. Um, who knows if some of that has carried over into this season. Um, but, yeah, just that intensity. It was the leadership that's sort of the, that vocal leader that the Raptors have lacked. And the physicality that he brought, it was just good to see him back. It was sad to see him go. Um, but he's doing some good things with the Rockets now. So Yeah, he's like a ridiculously good center, apparently. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and also, he, him and Chris Paul might punch each other by the end of the year. But that's fine. Uh, we expect him. Oh! You know what? No, 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 never mind. I just thought of something, but again, that goes back to 2016. So ah, okay. Back there. So I have a few. Um, I think number one in terms of like on-court stuff is probably Corey Joseph's three in game six. Um, and then I think mm, DeRozan, had a, DeRozan had a dunk on Fountain Maker just before that, I think, too. That, those two kind of sealed it. I think Patterson also might have had a dunk. There were three plays down the stretch of that game six. Um, that yes. kind of sealed it, and those were up there for me. That Joseph three, it was really cool to have Joseph have like a signature moment as a Raptor. Obviously, he's not here with the team anymore. Um, that was and, cool, yeah. Yeah, because like the only other moment you could really think of with him is probably that Wizards game, like back in like his first first month with the team, uh, when he hit mm-hmm. that corner three and they beat the Wizards in their first game since getting swept by them. Um, so that was cool. But I, for him, for Corey Joseph to have like a really cool Raptors playoff moment. I just there's something very nice and sentimental about that that I really appreciate. Um, another one for me is like from an encore perspective is probably Demar hitting that jumper over Derrick Rose at the end of that just awful awful Knicks game. Um, it kind of saved that game. It was like the I think it was just in between that Celtics and the and the Bulls game. Um, right. Uh, like that that was a crazy ass two weeks, man. Like between yeah. trading for Ibaka, uh, the game against the Hornets, the All Star break, Lowry's injury stuff. Um, and then the, like those the run of games that happened after that were just ridiculous. But um, yeah. that 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 I, I have that one in among my favorite plays. I don't know if we're getting to that later. Okay, no, I, yeah, I guess moment and play is kind of similar. But um, yeah, we can get to play in a bit. So maybe that's that's oh. cheating. But uh, the, other, <laughs> the other one too for moment. Uh, there's two. I think the sort of excitement of the trade deadline. I think just it, like the the whole finding out that Serge Ibaka, you know, the Raptors picked him up. Remember, I was like, uh, I was working, and I couldn't not say something. I just saw a couple of people, and I was like, "Oh my God, you guys hear about this?" And they were like, "Yeah, we did. Oh my God, it's Um <laughs> It was like a really fun, just like random person moment uh, interaction. That was cool, and just like the excitement of like, damn, like this team's going for it. And as sad as I was to see Terrence Roscoe, I knew it was for a noble cause, and um, I just. <laughs> Uh, by the way, Terrence Ross still holds the record for most points scored in regulation by a Raptor. Um, just going to throw that out there. But anyway, uh, yeah, th- th- that was just a really fun moment. And then, like, the, the rush of getting P.J. Tucker right at the deadline, too, um, because it really felt like the Raptors weren't going to do anything because the, it, felt yeah. like, it sounded like the cost for P.J. Tucker was going to be a first-round pick, and having just spent one on Surge, it didn't really feel like the Raptors were going to do it again. And thankfully they didn't because they got OG. <laughs> but... Uh, I think the just like the excitement of getting PJ Tucker and kind of knowing like yeah all right this team is loading up and like if there's a team that is going to unseat the Cavs it's probably this one at this point um, that was really fun and exciting uh, even though it didn't end up the way I think we all wanted it to um, and then I have a lot but I probably I think my number one is definitely uh, Kyle Lowry um, if we're going off court and, and and on court mixed together Kyle Lowry resigning like I had pre written a thing about Kyle coming back. And I went to go see the big sick. And as I came out of the theater, I had like a million texts and uh, my, my Twitter was blowing up because Kyle Lowry had resigned. And it was just like a real nice relief. Like, all right, like this team is sticking together. It's going to be good for a long time to come. And it was a, like, it felt like it was kind of leading to that point. That's why I pre-wrote the thing because it really felt like it was leading to that because of the market and all the, the things that were at play. But still, just to hear that Kyle had signed, it was just like a, a great relief and just like a really, like once again, that moment where it's like, oh man, this dude like stuck in Toronto and this doesn't happen very often for us. Uh, I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, that, that, that definitely was a cool moment. Um, yeah, him and Serge coming back, knowing that the stability of the franchise was going to continue, um, that the wins were going to continue. Um, yeah, 
I'm not I'm not a huge tanking guy, so yeah. Um, and especially with the way things have turned out with the uh, culture reset, um, it's definitely an exciting team to watch now, and I'm glad we get to see this for at least the next you know hopefully couple years. Yeah, for sure. Um, so what's what's your is it the PJ Tucker holding the ball is your number one? Yeah, okay. I'm, I'm gonna stick with PJ Tucker. Okay. <laughs> Sounds it's good. gonna turn into the PJ Tucker bottom. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take Kyle Lowry signing and we'll move on to the next one. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, JJ Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Barea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Barea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Barea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. This one I don't think P.J. Tucker will be in. Um, but yeah, best play of the year. What was your uh, what was the best play that you saw this year from the Raptors? So, there's a few that I've got here. Okay. Um, I've got to narrow, narrow it down, so I'll build it up. Um the Jakob Pertl dunk against the Hawks in that blowout win and him sort of making that expression right after when he's on the floor and the lawn comes over, that was just a fun moment. Was that in 2017? Um, I feel like it was early 2017. Oh, man. Now we got to find this. This is this is important stuff right here. This is important right. fact-checking. Uh, Hawks dunk. This is good podcasting also. Uh, <laughs> Oh yeah, it seems like February. Oh wait, no, uh, December third, twenty sixteen. It was uploaded. Uh, okay, so all right, never mind. You're cheating again. That's so out. You just right. really hated twenty seventeen so, and loved twenty sixteen, apparently. Apparently, <laughs> um, but anyway, it, it was all building up to uh, number one, uh, which for me is the Demar dunk uh, against the Bucks. Right, right. Uh, and with that you know it was just that tension was there with the comeback the Bucks had made and to just sort of shut them up and just dunk that emphatically and you could see DeRozan's expression after with the frustration of you know it was almost like I can't believe we let these guys almost take this game away from us mm-hmm. and just sort of flushed it down with force yeah the, to me that, that was my favorite play um of 2017, um, I think Norm's dunk uh, with uh, on Anthony Davis uh, was in 2017. You're taking mine. You. It was. <laughs> 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 yeah, that, that's mine. Um, so that's up there. Um, but I think just because of the playoff scenario and the way the Raptors were faltering, I'm going to go with Demar. Yeah, that's totally fair, and I think it, there was like a nice. And shout, of... shouts to JV's first three as well. <laughs> the cap, that was fun. <laughs> Didn't Bruno hit, get his career high in that game too? He did. Probably, yeah. yeah, he got yeah. twelve points or something like that, which is wild. Um, yeah, no, the the DeRozan dunk on Felon, I think for sure is like it's like objectively, I think a better highlight than Norm, considering the circumstance. Um, the the fact that also like it was kind of vindication after Thon had just like randomly gotten good for like the first three games of the series and like threatened to derail the entire franchise's history by having three good games, um, and uh, so that was uh, that was nice that it happened on him I suppose. And then, but yeah, I still think the Norm dunk on Anthony Davis that was the most stunning to me. Like we've seen Demar dunk on dudes before, and like we've seen Norm dunk on dudes also, but to do it on Anthony Davis. And, like, the weird, like, kind of across-his-body way he did it, it was, uh, and I was at that game, too. It was, like, just ridiculous to see in person. Um, so I think that's my pick. It was it was just nuts. So uh, you got DeMar's dunk. I got Norm's. Uh, let's get sad for a second here. 
And uh, what was yes. your least what was your least favorite moment of the season? Uh, of the year, I guess. I mean, game one against the Bucks was yeah. really low, uh, but I find it hard to pick. So, so basically, these 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 are my three. Well, four, I guess. Uh, between game one and game three of that series, those were real low points. Um, the twenty-eight to nothing run that the Knicks went on <laughs> was just absurd. I honestly I mean, kind of liked it. It was fun. <laughs> <laughs> Sean, <laughs> like MSG you was like that MS, no. It was more like I was like I'm glad the Knicks are fun. This is cool. Oh man, I was cool with it. <laughs> All right, let's let's move on. From that. Um, so, and the other one was just LeBron sort of fake sipping the beer was just again kind of respect it and kind of liked it. <laughs> like, yeah, but it was just it was just so disrespectful to the Raptors. Uh, like, you know, coming off um, him sort of saying the season before that you know he's been in adverse situations that this isn't one of them, and then. Here comes game one, and he's catching lobs off the backboard with his left hand and throwing it down and then dunking it. And it's just, it just made the Raptors look like such a joke. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was kind of a low point. Um, but in terms of, you know what, I'm, I'm gonna go with game one because okay. game one against the Bucks because that was, uh, for me anyway, coming into that game. Uh, the Raptors' opportunity to show that they had learned from the past, to sort of make adjustments on the fly, uh, and you could see, you know, with the way the Bucks were playing, with Thomaker at the five, and then four guys that could move quickly around him, that maybe Valanciunas and Ibaka wasn't going to work, and it took three games to figure that out. Um, and yeah, just those same game one woes where uh, they just couldn't get it together, and it just. I, th- I feel like Raptors Twitter got pretty dark for a bit after that, so yeah. um, that didn't help either. <laughs> yeah, I think I was the only one still uh, being positive. I think I wrote my like fourth annual, it's all okay, post-game one post, um, which uh, I'm excited for round five this uh, this year. Um, yeah, no, I, I, speaking of Raptors Twitter melting down, one of my candidates is after that Celtics loss this season, um, when for some reason everyone took that loss as like, oh no, the offense doesn't work. It's all falling apart. It's terrible. Uh, and everyone got uh, just completely in their own heads about it. And I was just like, okay, it's one loss. And uh, you, Demar hits that shot, that mid-range jumper he got against Jalen Brown, uh, you know, all the damn time. So why are we so upset about this? Um, so that was up there for me, just in terms of moments that annoyed me. And like, I really wanted that game against the Celtics. Like the Celtics had been around that streak. Um, and it was really frustrating, and they kept squeaking by with these stupid wins, and it's a bummer that the Raptors couldn't end it. Uh, but I do think for me, the like I don't even think this is close. The most depressing moment for me of the year was when Kyle got hurt in Game 2 against the, the Cavs. I mean, like, you could see it. It was, like, he tried to come back in and then just left again, and it was just like, yeah, no, this is done. This is, uh, we very well could be watching Kyle Lowry walk off the floor for the last time as a Raptor right now, and it's, uh... It's pretty dark, and obviously there's been stuff like some some stuff that came out after Bruce Arthur reported that you know there was some sort of yeah, it was you know a bit of I guess conflict over how injured he actually was and whether or not he could have played and all that. So that just added to it. Um, but when right. Kyle when Norm Powell like fell into Kyle's ankle and hurt him, uh, that was easily the saddest I've been this season as a Raptors fan. So uh, <coughs> oh sorry, um, you do you have any thoughts on that one? Uh, I guess. I wasn't as sad about it because in that moment I didn't think about um, you know potentially being Lowry's last moment on the floor with the Raptors. Right. I was I was still thinking that he would resign. Right. Um, that was sort of my consistent belief throughout the sort of off season. Um, and then plus I, I never really thought the Raptors had a chance, especially with everything LeBron was doing. So. Um, uh, yeah, I, I, it, it didn't impact the series to me. The, well, not the result anyway. Maybe the competitiveness of the series, but not the result. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, um, I can see why. I can definitely see why it was a sad moment, especially with the way you, you point out to it, potentially being his last moment. And you think about 
you know, the way Chris Bosch left um, with his injury, and you know, there's a lot of similarities there. If if this did end up being, uh, if that did end up being Lowry's last moment, so um, yeah, I can def- I can definitely see your point. <laughs> Yeah, also, uh, just Dark Horse Contender was when Patrick Patterson traveled on that wide-open three attempt. Oh, my God. <laughs> what the hell is that, man? We'll get I to... had just about erased that from my memory, nope, Sean. it's back. It's uh, here forever. Oh. Yeah, you're never, you're never getting rid of it. Uh, yeah, well... And Amari uh, Carroll just being an extremely bad player. Yeah, we'll get to <laughs> those guys in a second. Uh, we got two more categories left here. First is biggest riser. Who had the best year? Um, I guess we have three categories left. But so biggest riser, who grew the most? Who sort of raised their profile in your eyes as a player for the Raptors the most over the course of the last year? Um, I think that has to go to Pascal Siakam. Okay. For me, uh, just because you look at him being forced into. A starting role because of the injury to Jared Sollinger. Um, the starting unit didn't perform that great while he was in there. It goes all the way down to the G League. Seems to really lack confidence. Um, and then all of a sudden, he performs well for the 905 the playoffs. I don't know whether that had anything to do with him continuing uh, his upward swing, but you go from there to what he's doing this season. Um, Minus the three-point shooting, I, I, I think uh, he's been uh, the biggest riser. Uh, I, I don't I, like it'd be easy to go with DeRozan, so yeah. Um, so yeah, I'd, I'd rather give it to someone low-key. That's totally fair. I think I might go Jakob Pertl. Um He hadn't mm-hmm. really gotten into the rotation by the time 2017 started started. I mean, he was in there a little bit, but not a ton. And I do think that as he kind of took Bebe's job in the middle of January into February, like you could just kind of see just like a different like defensive floor that he brings as opposed to the other bigs the Raptors have. And Absolutely. like this season, he's been awesome. I mean, he's had ups and downs in terms of his production on a night-to-night basis. But every single night, he's making really quick and witty d- defensive reads. Like he's he's gotten better as a rim protector. I think he's had a couple plays where he's made really nice plays at the rim. Um, and he had one on Westbrook, I think, in that game against the Thunder last week, where I was like, oh wow, <laughs> Jakob Pertl, all right. Um, so and like I think his offensive game, well, like yeah, it's still a joke that he can't really shoot at all. His free throws are an issue. He's still he's only got one career made three. Um, he's one of one in his career, by the way. Or no, wait, he's one of two. He missed one. Never mind. Um, but yeah, no, I think uh, I I think Pirtle, like I wasn't totally. We had no real sort of sample for him at the start of 2017, and over the course of the last year, like I am not sh- would not be shocked if this time next year he's like the starting center on the Raptors, and that is a, a nice little rise for a guy who I think most people weren't all that high on when they drafted him at number nine. Um, I always liked his defense and his sort of quick-footedness. That's not a sentence. Um, that's not a word. Anyway, I kind of liked his, his his mobility and coming to the into the draft, but like I did not think he was going to be this good defensively this soon. And the fact that the Raptors have taken two guys over the course of the last year who were like instantly good defenders is uh, kind of crazy and hard to do. And uh, yeah, so I'm going to say Pirtle because I think he's probably got a little bit more utility right now than maybe Pascal Siakam does. I think Siakam's got maybe a higher upside, and man, uh, the watching him run a fast break is like one of my favorite things to do on the Raptors right now, but I think Pirtle has climbed significantly for me over the last year, so I'll say him to be different. Um, worst fall, who had the the most cataclysmic fall among Raptors players for you? Yeah, I, I think it's got to be Norman Powell. Yeah. Uh, I mean, obviously, this Bucks game happened outside of it, but for him to not really be a part of it, um, it shows, you know, to go from the impact he had in that Bucks series, uh, and really being an X factor to being given the contract extension, to being given the starting role, uh, and you look at everything he did to get to that point in terms of usurping uh, all the other guys from you know James Johnson to Demar Carroll to Terrence Ross uh, to now finally be given that position, and then to lose it to a rookie in 12 games, um, and now just really struggle um you know we've sort of known he's got sort of one speed and uh he's always thinking one way on the drive but he's till this point he's found a way to make it work 
Um, but now it's he's really struggling on the drive to you know get his shot off to make shots, open shots. Um, it's it's really tough to watch right now. Yeah, uh, hard to argue with that. I'm going to go another way. I'm going to say Patrick Patterson. Um, obviously not on the team anymore, but I do think sort of how his perceived value has gone up and down over the last year is kind of crazy. Um, like for me, like this, remember the start of January last year is when he got hurt uh, against the, the Suns. I guess it was like the 30th of December when he got hurt. And after that, the Raptors went on this horrible slide, and it really felt like it was because Patrick Patterson was out of the lineup. Of course, I think Lowry and DeRozan both missed some games in that stretch as well, so that kind of played into it. But uh, not having Patterson, like maybe the best defender on the team, easily the most sort of versatile defender on the team, uh, that really hurt. And uh, it was kind of crazy how after Ibaka came in, like Patterson kind of lost his spot in the rotation a little bit. We didn't see the Patterson-Ibaka front court that I think a lot of people wanted to see uh, very okay. often. And, you know, I was still come playoff time and, it, like, as the season wound down, like, I was still very much in the camp of, like, Patterson needs to be back, um, you know, despite all of the issues, despite the clunky-ass drives and floaters. Um, like, I still was totally of the mind, like, yeah, this dude's really valuable and the plus-minus numbers bear it out, um, even though a lot of it does sort of come as a byproduct of playing with Kyle Lowry. I thought he was a really valuable guy. I, I had him ranked higher than P.J. Tucker in terms of guys I wanted to see the Raptors bring back. Um, wow. Yeah, no, I, I almost still stand by that, to be honest, uh, even though things that, like, I, I don't think that was a crazy take at the time, considering the sort of the, the positions that the Raptors had squared away and whatnot, um, and just that I thought, you know, the younger player, Patterson, like, maybe he's going to be healthier long-term than Tucker, blah, blah, blah. That was stupid. Right. Um, but I think at the time, like, I don't think that was a bad take. I still kind of stand by that. But, you know, since then, of course, Patterson has been just like a nothing for the Thunder. Um, and it, obviously Tucker's been really good. And But just like, I'm sitting, sitting here looking at this Raptors team, like, man, like, what if they actually had paid Patterson and Siakam wasn't getting minutes and Ananobi is not getting minutes because, you know, there's no minutes of the four available. Um, and, you know, just like there's this cluster of dudes in the front court who d- doesn't really all fit and, you know, probably Pirtle's getting, you know, docked minutes as well. And I'm just much happier now without Patterson on the team with all these guys getting minutes than I think I would have been if he were on the team. So, um, and I think not having Patterson's kind of a, you know, a low-key reason why the team feels more fun this year too. Because, like, when the ball swung to him and he would, you know, put up a, you know, a, a brick three or pass off a three and just pass it around the, the horn a little bit. and Or, or know, travel. Or travel, yeah. When he would do that, like, it was just so deflating because it was like, this is your one job and you can't do it. Whereas when it comes to Pascal Siakam and he misses a three, it's like, that's ah, okay. Work on it, buddy. It's fine. Like, I don't, I'm not worried about it. I'm not expecting that to be what you're doing right now. Whereas every time Patterson let you down, he was letting you down at something that he was, like, needed for and was expected to right. do. And it was that much more deflating when it happened. So, um, yeah, I think Patrick Patterson, easily my biggest father in terms of guy I would have said was, like, borderline irreplaceable a year ago. And now I do not miss him whatsoever. Um, lastly, as, ah, lastly, let's get to player of the year for the Raptors this Feels like it's kind of easy, um, even though Kyle Lowry, I still think you could argue, is the better player than DeRozan overall. Like, it's DeRozan, right? Yeah, I yeah. mean, you look at the ascension from where he was in terms of the inefficiencies in his game, um, and now he is he's really close to that elite level. I mean, if we see a bit more defense, and if this three-point shooting sustains... You'd have to put him in that elite class. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I have such a hard time ranking where DeMar is as a player because I think my perception is skewed by all the rankings that come out before the season, which is probably dumb. Um, Right. But, like, yeah, is he a top 20 player? Probably. Like... I mean, this season he's definitely been a top 20 player. I'd argue he should be an All-NBA type player again this season. He was, you know, third team All-NBA last year. Like, I feel like he's probably, like, second team the way he's played this season. He's been amazing. Um, Like, I think you could argue he's had a better season than Kyrie Irving, for example. Uh, And maybe it's recency bias because he's had a really great run here and he's set his career high two times in the last two weeks. But, 
Uh, he's been really good the entire season and has kind of taken over a new offensive role. He's shooting more threes. Um, he's at 37 made threes in the season. He had 34 all of last year or 33. Um, he's shooting 35%. Like, again, the defense is not great, but there are still moments where, like last night on that final possession against that Malcolm Brogdon, it's like, oh, shit, like DeMar can defend a little bit right now. Um, yeah, he had the post up with Giannis too. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's... Uh, it, you know, it's still a work in progress, and I still think there are limitations to his game, and there are reasons why people still rank him below dudes like Chris Middleton and Jay Crowder, even though it's ridiculous. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I think you know, I think at this point he's definitely a top twenty player, at least this season. Um, in terms of guys' seasons this season, he's probably closer to top ten than he is top twenty this year. Um, whether or not that's sustainable over the course of a full season or come playoff time, that's going to kind of you know, the playoffs are going to be the big decider, right? And if he can't maintain the level of play he's been at this year in the playoffs then it's going to be back to the same thing with him and the rankings will reflect that i'm sure next year um but yeah i don't think there's any way to argue that he's risen more than any other raptor this season i think he's had the best best season of any raptor obviously lowry was hurt because he missed so much time um at the the end he didn't barely barely played in 2017 so or at the end of the 2017 2016 2017 season but um yeah no i think DeRozan. you could argue for the first time i think in this era of Raptors basketball, I think you could argue DeRozan is has been the better player than Lowry for an extended part of this season, and that is uh, that's no small feat because Kyle Lowry remains really awesome. So, uh, kudos to Demar, man. I think he had like what three or four Player of the Weeks this uh, calendar year as well, which is um, really impressive. He had two this season alone. He has two se- two this season alone. I think he had one. Yeah, isn't he tied for the franchise record now? Yeah, I think he's uh, yeah he's tied with uh, Bosh like and Carter. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's that's cool too. He's gonna get that record. He's gonna get all the damn records. Um, really excited for when the Raptors trade back for Terrence Ross once this hiatus with Orlando's over, so Terrence Ross can get his record record back. But until then, Demar feels like our rightful holder to the record, and uh, it's uh, it's all happy and good times with Demar Derozan. Man, he's really freaking good. Yeah. Um, and quickly touching on what you talked about in terms of seeing if it can carry over to the playoffs. Uh, probably the two most encouraging signs uh, from the game well three most encouraging signs from the game last night was you know late um, when he gets double teamed in the corner he swings it to Ibaka now Ibaka sort of struggles and it doesn't take the shot but it was the right decision Mm. Um, then you look at him uh, drawing uh, the trap and then kicking it out to Lowry to tie the game and then you look at the pass to Fred Van Vliet for the three so just really encouraging signs that way um, because that's what you want to see uh, in the tight games in the postseason and, you know, the big games that are coming up the rest of the way. Yeah, you pointed this out on Twitter, and I wrote about this today. Uh, like, the, the offense the Raptors ran yesterday was very much their old offense. Like, it was a lot of one-two pick and roll, a lot of just regular high pick and roll. Um, I think in a sort of a more concentrated amount than it normally would be. Uh, at least in this new system. But I think right. they were, I honestly think it was kind of uh, like, all right, we know what the Bucks are going to do. Let's just draw them into their defense and we'll pick them apart because their defense is dumb. And if you if you execute it well, if you feel confident in your ability to execute well against this defense, then why not do it? And they yeah. did just that. So I, uh, I thought it was really encouraging that they kind of show that they can play both styles. And... Um, yeah, that, that play you mentioned with uh, Van Vliet as the roller, they did that like three or four times late. Like, that's an interesting okay. little wrinkle that is clearly Dwayne Casey seeing like, hey, our big men can't make the, the play when this uh, play happens against the Bucks. Why not have a point guard make this play um, and kind yeah. of decide where the offense is going from here in this situation as opposed to Jonas or Serge? And like, that's just good ass coaching, man. Like, that's uh, like Dwayne Casey could have been on this for biggest risers of the year as well. Like, he's had an amazing year um, in terms of just sort of adjusting and becoming a better coach and um, very, like, just noticeably improving at his craft and uh while 2017 wasn't as good as 2016 i think objectively for the raptors i think uh there's a lot of things that happened in 2017 that are going to lay the future for 2018 to potentially be the very best year the raptors have ever had um Uh which is pretty exciting stuff yeah i know for sure and let's give some love to casey because um again you look at from that moment from whether it's game one or game three against milwaukee uh, to go have you know the president uh, say that you know he's looking to make a culture change. Um, now, you know, obviously, he, 
there's been reports saying that you know Kyle wasn't sure uh, whether that meant him as well. So I'm sure Casey was thinking along the same lines as well. And to go from that to then Masai giving him the vote of confidence and then him changing the offense as dramatically as he has. Now you said obviously yesterday things were a bit different, but I think that had more to do with the Bucks defense and sort of taking what they were giving. Um, but yeah, the changes are real. Uh, how real they are in the postseason remains to be seen. But for now, I think uh, let's give Casey his proper due. Absolutely. Uh, that seems like a good place to, as any to leave this off. Uh, Vivek, do you have anything you want to promote right now? Um, yeah, I, I'll have uh, a piece uh, coming up shortly for uh, B-Ball Breakdown on OG Ananobi and his, just his rookie season so far. Um, and besides that, you can always catch my work uh, on Raptors Republic, on uh, North Pole Hoops, and some of it on Sportsnet now as well. Awesome, man. Yeah, your Sportsnet stuff is uh, out there and making you famous, and uh, it's nice to have people of your stature on the podcast to lift me, my dumb ass up. So appreciate you very much. I'm uh, glad that you and Sahal became regular parts of the podcast in 2017, and I'm very excited for uh, the next 12 months with you guys in tow as well. Um, you- hey, man, I'm grateful to you for the opportunity. You've been at this way longer than I have. You've been a big part of the Raptors community, so thank you. Ah, it's a shame I haven't gotten better at it after being part of it for so long. <laughs> um, we are uh, going to wrap it up there. You can follow me on Twitter at Woodley Sean. Find the show Locked on Raptors at Vivek M. Jacob for Vivek on Twitter. Uh, if you want cricket tweets in addition to basketball tweets, that's your place to go. Um, I do not have cricket tweets. I just have uh, dumb being an idiot tweets. Um, you can uh, check out uh, the piece I wrote for Raptors HQ today about the Raptors beating Milwaukee with their old offense, just a bit better version of it. And uh, there's a podcast earlier today breaking down that Bucks game that you can check out on this very feed, Locked on Raptors. And while you're there, go leave a rating or a review. It doesn't take very long. It's very nice of you to do, and I appreciate it very much. Uh, and uh, give Vivek and Sahal nice comments in there as well. Everyone's always talking about me. Vivek and Sahal are big parts of the show too. So leave them nice ratings and reviews in the comments on the iTunes page, and uh, we will benefit from it by being more visible in the rankings and all that good stuff. So uh, thank you in advance for that. Vivek, thanks for coming on, man. We'll be back again next week with you, I'm sure. Um, and okay. tomorrow... I'll do an episode, uh, probably, I'm not sure what I'm doing tomorrow. I gotta work tomorrow at my new job in McMaster. And, uh, wait, I'm recording this too? No, never mind. We got Wednesday's podcast squared away. We'll be back Thursday with another episode. I'm an idiot. Once again, further proof that I'm bad at this. Uh, we'll be back again on Thursday with another episode of Lockdown Raptors, breaking down to that Bulls game and uh, some other stuff too, I'm sure. Maybe we'll get Sahal involved before he goes back to school. Who knows? Uh, it's all a big mystery. But thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Lockdown Raptors. Cheers. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.